Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, O rock and our salvation. Amen. Our second lesson, as Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, begins with these words. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Here's a trivia question in case any of you are interested. 75 years ago, even 100 years ago, where was the largest complex dedicated to watchmaking in the world? The answer, just 15 miles south of Crystal Lake in Elgin, Illinois. The Elgin Watch Company was started in 1864 and was the largest watchmaker of fine watches in the United States as well. If you owned a Lord Elgin a hundred years ago, that was quite a watch to own. Elgin watches were a quality product. Yeah, not so much anymore. About four years ago, I was out searching for a new watch. I didn't know that the Elgin Watch Company had finally gone out of business in 1965. The name, the brand name Elgin was sold and production was shifted as so much has to Southeast Asia. But I went in search of an Elgin watch because when I grew up, owning an Elgin watch was quite something. It was a rite of passage for children when I was young to receive an Elgin watch for confirmation. So off I went four years ago to buy an Elgin watch. I wound up buying one, cost me $120, and it lasted six weeks. <laughs> I don't know why, but I put this in my chest of drawers, and every time I see this watch, it still just steams my vegetables. You know what I mean? I thought, here's a product of quality, and I get something like that. Still, still. A hundred years ago, watchmaking and the whole business of time was very well known in this part of the world, in this part of the country, in this part of the state, in our neighborhood, Elgin watches. Now let me clutch and shift a little bit and go in a different direction. Mr. Obvious here, there is time and then there is time. There's clock time, no, no question about it. What time is it? It's about 11, 16, 11, 17, something like that. Time, as you know, is divided then into hours, into minutes, into seconds. Come this summer, we're going to be watching the Olympics in Paris, and some of those contests will be judged on the basis of one one-hundredth of a second, and maybe even on one one-thousandth of a second. Ever heard of a zeptosecond? <laughs> yeah, neither did I until earlier this week. This past week, a zeptosecond is a trillionth of a billionth of a second. That's a decimal point followed by 20 zeros followed by one. Apparently, apparently, that's the amount of time it takes a particle of light to go through a hydrogen atom. <laughs> Who knew, right? Absolutely. That's a small, small amount of time, apparently as well the smallest interval of time that scientists have discovered or 
measured to this point. Well, there's clock time, there's watch time, no question. There's calendar time. Pastor Kirk mentioned in the children's talk, what time is it? What time of the year is it? What day of the calendar is it? It's December 31st. It's New Year's Eve coming at the end of one year at the cusp of another. And then there's the time involving cycles. When things regularly happen, and they happen again, and they happen again, or at least they should. That's good biblical language. Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Pete Seeger wrote a song about that back in the 1950s, and some of us even remember the bird's version of it in 1965, to everything, turn, turn. Still a good song, say I, and that's just the nature, spring and summer and fall and winter, and then we repeat, there's a cycle to things. And then there's a time when things come to an end, when they come to completion, when they come to fullness. Mary, the mother of Jesus, knew something about that in the birth of the baby that we commemorated just seven days ago. It is often said that when the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. We remember that from the King James Version. When it was time for her to give birth, Mary gave birth to that child. That's a process, giving birth, that, that has a start date and an end date. When things get started, it's usually 266 or 280 days, depending on how you count, till that baby arrives. It is done and it happens so often that it's absolutely predictable. In the United States, 10,000 babies are born every day. In the world, 350,000 children are born every day. And so it's absolutely predictable. The day will come, we don't know exactly when, when that baby is going to appear. The time had arrived and Mary had a baby. In our second lesson, Paul writes, when the fullness of time had come, surely had to do with Mary's due date and the birth of the Savior, no question about that. There are good historians who want to argue today, and I think with good reason, that when Mary was ready to have the child, the world, at least the Western world, was ready to receive that child. And what they meant by this, and what they still mean by this, is that the Western world, the Mediterranean in Europe, was poised for something to happen. A very, very, very good historian of ancient Rome and Greece, a man named Paul Meyer, wrote a book called In the Fullness of Time. And he explains how the birth of Jesus came about in a time that was ready for something to happen on several levels. For example, culturally, there was a common language around the Mediterranean world, the language of Greece, Greek, so that somebody writing a letter in one place could have that same letter read with understanding a thousand miles away. That was huge, that was huge. Politically, the world was at peace, the so-called Pax Romana, the Roman peace. 
after the brutal and chaotic civil wars of Rome, then came this peace that extended for at least 200, maybe 300 years, when people could travel. People flourished. The trades went well. Geographically and logistically, the Romans had built an impressive system of roads extant still today. It was for good reason that that people then said, all roads lead to Rome, because in a sense they did. It was a center of trade, and, and roads kind of fanned out from there. And if you've been a tourist and you've traveled to that part of the world, particularly Rome, you know that today you can walk on the same roads and some of the same stones on which St. Paul walked 2,000 years ago. So in many respects, things were ready. And even spiritually, the people were looking or something that had hope and meaning, even though the population was left empty. The times were very, very thirsty for a, a savior to come to explain things to the world. And, and so on a human level, on a human level, the time was ripe and the world of Palestine more than 2,000 years ago was fertile for the planting and the rapid growth of the gospel. No question about it. The news about Jesus Christ traveled wide and quickly, far more widely and far more quickly than would have been the case 100 years earlier or 200 years earlier as well. No question at all. And yet, when God decides to act, he acts. When he chooses to do something, he does it. It wasn't as if God was looking from his heavens 2,000 years ago, and he said, now that the Romans have completed that four-way highway, four-lane highway from Rome to the Adriatic, now that the Roman economy is in pretty good shape, just got out of recession, now that there's a common language so we can speak to each other and we can all listen to each other down there on earth, it wasn't as if God was saying, when, when, when man, when humans have all these things put together, then I'm going to do something. It wasn't that at all. When God decided he was going to do something, he did. Fortunately, the world was more ready at that time than it had been for centuries. In his time, he decided that all of us, all of us, would no longer come to him through laws, through rituals, through regulations. Instead, from now on, God was saying, his children, his daughters and son, now would come to him to receive, to inherit all the blessings, all the gifts, all the graces that would have been to any child of God. That was all going to happen, not just with the birth of a savior, but with the life, the ministry, the suffering, death, and then the resurrection of a savior, his own son, Jesus the Christ. We celebrated last week the birth of Messiah. That birth of the Messiah started a new age, a new era, a new time. With the birth of Jesus, the world has not been the same. Toward the end of World War II, 
It was one of the events that precipitated the end of World War II. On August 6th and August 9th in 1945, a new kind of bomb was dropped on the towns of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. That began a new age, the atomic age. The world has not been the same since. On September 11th, 2001, 19 militants associated with the Islamic group Al-Qaeda hijacked four airliners and crashed them into strategic targets along the east coast of the United States. Our world has not been the same since. When God acted on a date uncertain, when he found the time to be right, more than 2,000 years ago, he sent that son. A child was born. Jesus, born as humbly as humble could be, took on himself the curse of sin that we might become inheritors of all that a son or a daughter of God could have. The world has not been the same since. We now are sons and daughters of the Most High, adopted, sure, but with all the inheritance of any son of God. That's what Simeon realized in our, old or our third lesson, our gospel lesson this morning. Our gospel lesson this morning started with the words, at the time of the purification, a dedication service in the temple. That's how it started. And then comes the narrative of Simeon in the temple. I don't, I don't mean to be silly here. I don't mean to be irreverent, but I, I would love to have seen, I would love to have seen Simeon's bucket list, right? The things he was going to accomplish before he died. And let's just go in reverse ascending order. So, so number four, can you imagine? His bucket list number four item would be, see the pyramids in Egypt and Giza. Yeah, did that 10 years ago. Check that one off the list. Number three, spend a week at Caesarea Maritima on the ocean with the wife. Yeah, done that, check that box. Number two, spend our anniversary in Greece watching a play at the great theater at Epidaurus. Yeah, check that off as well. Number one, see the Messiah. Check that box off as well. See the Messiah. Wouldn't that be something on a bucket list, right? But that was the exit cue for Simeon, his finale. Now all his boxes were checked physically, spiritually. Not that he was wanting to go, but he was ready to go. Lord, now your servant can depart in peace. It was time in the ancient world for God to act, and he did. It was time in the ancient world for the governments, politically, socially, culturally, to receive the gospel, and they did. It was time for Simeon to realize that the most important thing left in his life now had happened in the birth of Messiah. 
What time is it in your world, friend? What time is it in your world? The fullness of time at the end of 2023 is a really good time to ask that question. End of the year today, beginning of 2024 tomorrow. Which means that many of us, again with the children's message, children's talk with Pastor Kirk, many of us today and tomorrow will be making our New Year's resolutions. I'm understanding that even today more than half the people in our country make them. I also understand that perhaps 80% of New Year's resolutions deal with the four C's. I think that's right. Calories, cash, cleaning, career. Calories? <laughs> hey, time to lose some weight. And this year I really mean it, right? Gonna happen. Cash? Have you been to the grocery store or gone out, gone out for a meal? at a restaurant in the last 18 months, those prices are crazy. Save more in 24, right? Number three, cleaning. I am tired of wading through all the obstacles in the basement. Starting tomorrow, this family is changing from pack rats to hurl squirrels. Maybe it'll work. And career. My career is, meh, maybe this coming year I'll be able to arrange something more to my satisfaction. A career that will perhaps give me more meaning. What time is it in your world? End of 23, the beginning of 24 might be a good time also for us to make some spiritual resolutions or at least one. Remember what we sang just a week ago, the words joy to the world, which include the world's words, let every heart prepare him room. And then we sang also here just a week ago tonight, O little town of Bethlehem, which included the phrase, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. It's a new year. God does not ask us to sit on the sidelines of life, in the bleachers, watching while others play the game of life as we sit there on the bleachers, waiting for the time to run out, the game to end, so that we can transition from one time to another. He doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to be engaged in the game of life at every level, at every level. He wants us to live a more abundant life now. In St. Paul's phrasing, quite often in the New Testament, he asks us to live in the new time. For us, the new time might be a new year, simple as that. God will be acting in 2024. He always acts. He will come, ready or not. Is there something unfinished with our relationship with our God that that we need to address to prepare the way for the Lord for us individually. Maybe more time in the world. We're in more time in the Word. More time giving your time, reaching the lost, the lost, the least, the lonely, the left out, and the little ones. Are you living your life carrying a backpack of regret that you've been carrying around for too long? 
God asks you to leave a life of what ifs and to move to a life of what is. In a life smeared with forgiveness and painted in various shades of hope. Is there something you need to resolve to change? We might say, well, I'll try to make time. We can't make time any more than we can make gravity. I'll try to find time. Time is not lost, it just is. I'll try to manage my time better. You can't manage time any more than you can manage sunshine. We can only manage ourselves. As you review your year's end, has the time come, has a time come for you to reposition, repurpose, refocus your spiritual life? It could be something large to, to dedicate yourself to a, a disciplined time of, of study or a disciplined time of another of the Christian disciplines. It might be as simple as taking your smartphone and programming it every day so that there's a pop-up every day for the next 365 days that asks you to identify just one thing for which to be thankful and go on from there. Is this new year a fullness of time for you? Maybe to leave the busyness of Hamsterville, sit still for 10 minutes, and realize what God in Christ did for you, and that that story all began 2,000 years ago at just the right time. In all of this, this is first about God and secondly about us. Back in 1975, Diane Ball, a Christian singer and a Christian composer and a Christian speaker, was at a convention center. She needed to get to a place 90 minutes away where she was to speak and be the major presenter. But she was given only 45 minutes to do that because of an emergency. She had 45 minutes. She needed to get someplace 90 minutes away. So off she went. And of course, she was highly anxious in that time. On that road trip, three words came to her that settled her soul in a way that she didn't understand. Those words were simply, in his time. And, and for some reason, that calmed her spirit, it calmed her soul, and, and she wrote on to the, the venue event. When she arrived at that venue, she discovered, she learned that the agenda for that convention had slipped one full hour so that even though she was late for the agenda time, the time had shifted so that she was able to make her whole presentation and to do it very well. Later, using those three words, she wrote a song that is popular among many, many Christians today. Part of the words of that song are, in his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you do just what you say 
in your time. Thanks be to God. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. As you are comfortable, we stand now as together we confess.